From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Carter Gorzitza. And I'm Lucas Burrows. And we'll be your hosts for the next half an hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we are bringing you another piece from the Conference on Cities and Climate Change that was held in Edmonton by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. In this piece, University of Alberta student Andrea Weeb follows a group of high school students from around the world who come together over a common passion for climate change. For the two months leading up to the IPCC in Edmonton, the students had been preparing themselves by participating in online classrooms, sharing blog posts and video conferences related to the theme of cities and climate change. Andrea follows the stories of this group of students as they write a paper together and present it to policymakers and researchers at the IPCC conference. I usually tell the people that I want to study this and this because I want to change the world and everybody's like, aha, you are going to change the world, nice. Our survey results indicate that the largest barrier to combating climate change is the fact that there's a lack of awareness. So I hope to be able to communicate this to the policymakers out there. I'm Andrea Weeb, a student at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. Over the past week, I've been following a group of students from around the world who've come here to write a paper and present it at a conference on cities and climate change. It is being hosted here in Edmonton by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, an international body of research on climate science for policymakers to use in decision making. I wanted to find out how youth voices can contribute to the climate change conversation. What do youth have to offer through engagement and dialogue? And what has been their experience as young people navigating in spaces commonly dominated by adult voices? Over the past few months, these 14 students have been preparing for the IPCC conference. Back at home in their classes, they've been sharing their ideas on climate change in blog assignments and video conferences in a virtual classroom. After two months of online collaboration, now they're finally meeting each other in person. I'm here at the Bennett Center in Edmonton, where they're staying all week to work together on their paper. It's all been leading up to now. Okay, my name is Sofia Vélez. I am from Medellín, Colombia, but I'm living in Bogota. I think that I consider myself a good uh, researcher, but like online researcher, I really like to investigate things online just by curiosity. And just as Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein said, that we just need passion, curiosity. It's not a matter of intelligence to get um, to be successful in life. That's Sophie. She's one of the students whose stories I'll be sharing with you. I asked her what's been a common misconception of her country. They think that women are beautiful in Colombia and that we dance well. It doesn't include me because I do not dance. That's sad. But 
Almost every girl in Colombia knows how to move their hips. I asked Sophie when she first came across climate change. The first time that I think that I've heard about climate change was on seventh grade, maybe. And we were making this big drawing about the ecosystem. And the, the teacher told us, this is what you are killing. And I was like, what? What? What am I doing to, to the earth? This eventually got Sophie interested in chemistry and the ecosystem and genetics and animals and eventually led her into biotechnology and climate science. And that's when I realized how many people is trying to find a solution for climate change. So I said, like, what is so many people, thousands of scientists trying to find one solution? I was curious to know if Sophie's experienced any climate impacts in Colombia. Well, in Colombia, there is a very strange um, natural situation because we we live the whole year to um, things that are called El Niño and La Niña. These things uh, don't let us really know if uh, the weather is changing, but actually in Medellin, uh, we are living a very bad situation with smog. I'm Suhani Giroti. I'm from New Delhi, India. Suhani is another student I've just met. I asked her how she's been liking Canada so far. Snow is one of the main things that I love about Canada. Mm-hmm. And the people, I think they're so sweet and so lovely and they're always like there to help you. I asked Suhani if she has seen any effects of climate change in Delhi. There is a festival called Diwali in my city. And so it's a day when the citizens of Delhi get together and enjoy a day lighting firecrackers and lanterns. So as exciting as this sounds, its um, effects were really, really massive in uh, the Diwali of 2017. So essentially what happened was that Delhi became the most polluted uh, city in the world and its AQI levels rose to 999, which is thrice the amount that's deemed uh, hazardous. Andrea here. AQI stands for Air Quality Index. So that really affected me and uh, like a lot of flights were cancelled and I, my schools were shut for weeks and school had to start later in the evening so that we could actually get there without getting into an accident or something because there was absolutely no visibility. All right, so I'm at the Bennett Centre in Edmonton. This is where the students are staying for the next week and it already looks like they've made themselves at home. The first few days, the students have just been settling in, adjusting to time zones and getting to know each other but they've been working a little more each day. And now there's chips, candy, and Timbits everywhere. Kind of like a big slumber party. But now it's time to start getting serious about working. Please close your computers because we don't want you to be tempted to work right now. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the rest of life. This is Carrie Karsgaard. She's the youth coordinator with the Center for Global Education and PhD student at the University of Alberta. She became connected with the Center for Global Education through a research assistantship project on global citizenship education at the U of A. Hanging around the class, there's this feeling that there's time to work and time to play, but usually it's a mix of both. I was curious to hear how she approaches facilitating a program like this and to hear a little bit more about the Center for Global Education. There's a lot that goes into that. You Mm -hmm. know, these students have fostered learning relationships with each other for the last two months. And so they really are building on that. Um, Some of it's the way you open a space in a classroom, you know, even as a teacher, how do you do that? Some of that's, yeah, and how do you respond to their ideas? 
Um, how do you facilitate discussion with them? And how do you see learning? Because I think learning is changing. I wanted to know more about the Center for Global Education and how the virtual classroom works. The projects that I've worked on with the Center for Global Education have largely been large-scale educational collaborations. So they do small-scale collaborations that might be a single day or a few days um, with schools in Alberta or across Canada. But my the ones I've worked on have been all been international. And regardless, the students connect in a virtual classroom where they get a chance to work through online activities and videos and read articles. And then they post blogs online and then they can read each other's blog posts and respond to each other's work. And so it's a, a virtual space so students can meet from all over the world in the classroom. And then we also host video conferences where they can meet face-to-face -face and talk to each other. So once they've done a little bit of work on their own, then they connect and they share ideas and they ask each other questions face-to-face -face online. I asked her what is her overall perception of how students take up the concept of climate change. It might be because the, the students have committed to a project on climate change, but every single one of the blog posts asserts that climate change is real, mm. immediate, and needs to be addressed. And um, we deal with a lot of climate denial in our local context, as they do in a lot of places around the world. And the youth that I'm working with, at least, have a very, very strong impetus to overcome that. They want to be taught about climate change in schools. They want this to be addressed. And so there's a mix, I find, among the youth of fear and worry and concern, both because climate changes the reality and because they don't feel like it's being adequately addressed in their schools and with them. And yet at the same time, a desire for change. This made me want to find out if any of the students were taking on projects in their own countries. So maybe I can name three things. Um, the first one is the most well that I'm doing at school. Mm -hmm. That is, I want to make it a um, commercial product because in Germany it is already established a very big Moswell. Moswell? Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, Moswall. Like, the yeah. Moswall. I like, don't know how to explain that. <laughs> it is a wall. I'm sorry, I've never, I don't know. Uh -huh. <laughs> As you can. <laughs> There's no more way to describe it. It's kind of like a living green wall. Uh -huh. Made of moss. But just with moss. There, there are no flowers, no plants, no, just moss. Just moss. Gotcha. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so in Germany, they have already done this project, but like in a big way. Like they made a very big Moswell outside of a university. And the Moswell works just as 257 trees would do, absorbing CO2 from, really? the, from the air. Wow. So they have this kind of uh, air pollution control um, work. So they, they basically, these walls are implemented by the government. What I want to do is to make it a commercial product because in Colombia we do not have this a uh, kind of cities and government uh, support. So this is one of them. Also, I am, I created an Instagram account that is called Change Is Our Goal. With her Instagram account, Sophie hopes to be able to connect youth with other youth and create a platform for sharing events. There are events happening in Bogota, but she doesn't always hear about them. I mean, the teachers know, but they don't know that I really care about environments. So I just want to make it a, like a platform for 
young students to know what's going on in their city. So we obviously went for that a waste management tour yesterday. So I thought it was really cool how Edmonton is managing its waste. So And I really don't see all of this very commonly in my city, Delhi. So I mean, obviously it's impossible for me to take it on in a large scale, but I am doing a waste management project and I found a lot of the ideas really interesting. And the way that they use social media to convey their project and spread awareness about it, I thought that was really cool. I asked Suhani about the differences between waste management in Edmonton versus Delhi. I mean, Delhi doesn't really manage its waste. I mean, so I have uh, the government of Delhi. Firstly, we never had any system of segregated dustbins before this year. So we never had any like different colored dustbins for different kinds of waste. So we just chucked it all in together and then it just went to the landfill. So like even in my resident and I've a residence and I've been going around houses trying to make people aware of it. But the thing is that like no one, no one's like ha- is driven to have a cleaner Delhi. So that that's one thing. And Edmonton people are like, you know, passionate about having a cleaner city and, you know, like, uh, like no waste going to the landfill at all. Everything being recycled and composted. In Delhi, we don't have anything like that. Like that, there's no like drive for to have a cleaner city and people are not aware of how to segregate waste so that's one of the major differences between Edmonton and Delhi. (laughs) I'm Andrea Weep and I'm back at the Bennett Center. Today is Sunday and the students are presenting their paper on Wednesday at the IPCC conference in Edmonton. They have three days of working left. I've been thinking a lot about education and the students role in selecting curriculum. Education also happens to be one of the core topics of their paper, along with project-based learning, social media, infrastructure, and inclusion. I'm curious to learn more about what makes education such a strong focus of their attention. But this is how students all around the world feel about climate change. Number one is sad. Number two is worried. And then it drops quite a bit. To open up the day, carry one over some survey results that all the participants of the program collectively conducted over the past two months. The surveys involved over 4,000 youth participants, and the questions were relating to climate change attitudes and awareness in each of the students' respective countries. Some of the results were pretty interesting and useful for guiding the direction of their paper. Then we have the question, do you think individual actions have an effect on the global climate? Despite a majority of respondents reporting that they do think their individual actions have an effect on the global climate, the majority of respondents disagreed or strongly disagreed when asked whether their city is taking effective steps to prevent climate change. But that that says something to them because it either says they aren't, which is the case, or it says that youth don't think they are. So even if they are, they're not communicating with you, right? Another of the survey results found that youth perceived the biggest barrier to addressing climate change was due to a lack of awareness. Suhani told me some more about the importance of spreading education and awareness. Um, I think it's important that you spread awareness like around your friends and family because that is the fir- education is the first step to maybe um, empowering people and making them feel passionate about the environment. No matter how many projects you take up as an individual or how many projects as a group you take up, it's not going to be effective unless the people around you are passionate about the environment as well and are educated and well aware of what climate change is and what its adverse effects are. Education seems to be a key theme, perhaps because it's something that the youth experience in their daily lives, but also because it's something that they perceive the power to change. I wanted to ask Carrie a little more about her perspective on ways that youth are currently engaged 
and could be engaged at a civic level. They don't have an official sanctioned voice through like electoral processes, say, in governments. Um, and so I think that adults, those of us that do have that space, need to create that space for youth at every level. So his immediate environment is their school. They should be contributing to what their school looks like, to what curriculum looks like. They're they're bright, they're creative. You know, we should listen to them when we're developing those things. Let's head back to the class to see how everything is going. Oh. No, get, no, we're getting rid of this. Now, it's gone. Not happening, Campbell. Not happening. This is Kashav. He's come from the United States, but his family is originally from Gujarat in India. Undo, 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 undo. Yeah, so working on Google Docs with this many people can be very useful, but it can also be a challenge. So we had lots of problems like these, you know, trying to compile all the work. Firstly, we were working through Google Docs, so everyone can edit at the same time. So sometimes it got, it got confusing, but it was a great experience, you know, like working with each other because I had done nothing like this. Like Google Drive is a whole new procedure for like a lot of us. It's much better. No. No. How did, how did they change it? They just keep on entering the pictures. They want to get rid of the background picture and have me redo it. support democratic values. Yeah. We're actually a republic. Being around these students the past week has been inspiring, and I might even say therapeutic. In talking to them, I see a hope for possibility, along with pragmatism and creativity. But I'm also aware that they have to work very hard to have their voices heard. I wanted to talk to them about their experiences as youth and find out what kinds of challenges they faced as young people. Actually, I, I thought that it would be easier because if you are like these different boys, I thought that everybody wanted to hear you, but actually it's harder because sometimes um, having this a paper that shows that you have studied in a university and everything mm -hmm. is powerful because you have knowledge, but sometimes it's not everything about knowledge. It could be about passion. So I'm passionate about something that I do not know everything about climate change. But the things that I know, I think, that are powerful enough to have a, an impact. At one point, she had contacted a university to get some expertise to help her with her moss wall idea. And then they, they were like, uh-huh, we're going to help you. Uh-huh, just wait on the line. Ten minutes later, nothing happened. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, knowing the effects of climate change and obviously through this paper and knowing the flaws in curriculum and the various things that we as youth uh, have, like, a responsibility to take care of. And since it is going to be our future that's going to be impacted by this, I, fe I think it's become really interesting and it's one of my favorite topics now to tackle and... I'm really going to take this white paper forward and show it to my school and show them the work that we've been doing as a team. And maybe, like, eventually we will have a city that's free of all these problems. I asked Suhani about some of her experience as a young person and coming to this conference. Um, so, firstly, it's really hard for adults to believe in a young person. So I think that's a huge, huge barrier that I'm facing while taking up initiatives. So... Coming here, I mean, like, writing this paper, I think it's a huge, huge thing that I'm doing. But if I take this paper and maybe go back to, like, my colony or the area where I stay, people are not going to find it believable. Or, like, like you know, hey, like, you've done something that's impacted the environment. They're just going to be like, you know, yeah, that's great. But they, they're not going to do anything to support me because I'm a young person. It's Tuesday, and we're back at the Bennett Center. The final touches are being put on the paper, and the presentation is almost finished. 
I wanted to get a sense of how the students are feeling about the presentation tomorrow. I don't know, I'm anticipating that the room will be like, you know, crowded with loads of people. Of course, that will be, you know, really exciting for us because we've put so much hard work and gone through two months of work to prepare this paper. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure like all of us are very nervous so, because we, none of us have done this before. But I, I hope that people will find our opinions on climate change valuable enough to consider them into making recommendations. And hopefully we will be able to surprise policymakers and maybe get them to get youth more involved into politics and maybe the UN. We were so impressed that our, our work is going to be viewed and analyzed by people that have this kind of experiment, uh, experience sorry, and that they are so interested that they dedicate their whole lives to this topic. And we are just here for a few days and they are caring about what we think. So I think that it will be like a life-changing experience and a very big opportunity mm -hmm. to say the words with my heart in order to make the people really realize what, how much um, feelings I have for this. The IPCC conference has been going on since Sunday, and I've been going to some of the sessions. The conference has brought experts from around the globe to discuss climate policy, environmental justice, and the role of cities in leading the transition to a low-carbon future. We're at the Shaw Conference Centre in Edmonton. It's a half hour before the students go on, and we just got into the room where they will be presenting. The students are practicing speaking into the mic and getting used to the space, while teachers and chaperones are busy setting up art that have been submitted by students from their schools over the past few months. It's a bit of an orchestrated chaos. You can feel the anticipation, a blend of nerves and excitement. How are you feeling? Like a rock star, you know. <laughs> are, you, are you excited for the presentation? I am because the part that I have to present is more emotional. Mm. So I think that I can use it uh, because I'm a very emotional person. So maybe it will be kind of passionate, you know. Yeah, I'm nervous. You can notice it in my voice. <laughs> okay. And what are you doing right now? I'm revising my script, yeah. Um, I don't want to mess up. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I know they know that they were youths and like they might consider that, but I also want to express my ideas as well as I practice, so yeah. Pretty soon people started filling up the room for the presentation. Amongst them were Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson, the Honorable Lieutenant Governor of Alberta, Lois Mitchell, as well as representatives of the IPCC Steering Committee and Urban Climate Action Organization, C40. The people. The people who have the power to kill or keep the earth alive. We are all in this. This is a quote from my friend Fabrizio from Peru. Thank you all for being here today. We conducted surveys from cities where each of the delegates are from and did individual local climate change cases on our cities. Not only that, we also explored the different situations that are happening in our cities. And while we were telling everything about uh, that took place in our, in, in our cities, that's when we were really connected to each other. That's when we really feel and understand that what's going on in other parts of the world. For this, social media tools were used for our conversation. So I learned Snapchat, Twitter, and Google Drive, 
by scratch. And I have to say that Snapchat is the most difficult software I've ever used. <laughs> so you may know that each of us has given a part of ourselves into this paper. And it is a common passion feeling that brought us together. This group is a group of beautiful, loyal, and humble people that are focusing all of their efforts on climate change. Because we, we as youth, do not accept a reality in which our world doesn't have revolution to change the, the situation that we live today. We as the youth from several places around the world have carefully analyzed the pressing situation of climate change in relation to the various curriculums that we study in our respective schools. We have come to the conclusion that altering the curriculum to match the needs of the environment is imperative. We are a global family. We as the youth are willing to fight to find solutions for climate change. We are the representatives of youth around the globe and we want to work with you to see our future improve. Thank you. So how are you feeling now? I'm actually feeling really powerful because I never knew that I'd be able to catch the attention of so many people. And seeing all of like the important people here, I feel really noticed. And I'm actually really proud of the entire group and all of our teamwork for two months has finally like come to this. And as a team, I think we all did a wonderful job and I feel really happy about it. So how do you feel now? I feel happy, satisfied. I'm so anxious to, to, to get what's next mm. because I, I, I didn't expect it that the people will actually believe that we can do what we propose and that people, these people feel so motivated by us that like in change I feel like I, I want to cry because it is amazing to see that people with such experience with so powerful, so like so amazing that they are like these role models in my life and that they tell me that I'm doing it right. It's not money, it's not something material, it's just like self-satisfaction. Suhani Giroti and Sofia Velez are only two of the 14 students who came to Edmonton for the IPCC conference. I would have loved to feature all of the students here, but you can catch some more of them by checking out their IPCC white paper. The paper is called International Youth White Paper on Climate Change, and you can find it online at the Center for Global Education website under Publications and Virtual Town Hall White Papers. There is also a link to it on the Terra Informa SoundCloud page for this episode. I would like to thank the Community Service Learning Program at the University of Alberta and CJSR for the opportunity to put together this show for my CSL project. I would also like to thank the students, Sofia Velez, Zuhani Giroti, Taha Islamovic, Antia Tawia, David Felipe Gonzalez Galindo, Fabrizio Sebastian Manuel Maltiparda Malgarejo, Keshav Shital Shah, Kavina Narani Yusuf, Jing Tong or Judy Lin, Natalia Ukutoy, Pedro Lamando Restam de Macero Roca, Yi Jin or Julia Chung, Shauna Kelly, Campbell Bloxham, Carrie Karsgaard, and all the rest of the staff from the Center for Global Education for having me around. The song you've been hearing is Enthusiast by Tours from the Free Music Archive. Lastly, I'd like to say a special thanks to Chris Chang-Yan Phillips and Dylan Hall for all their guidance and support. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
That was Andrea Weeb with her documentary. If you want to hear even more stories like that, check out our website at terrainforma.ca. And while you're there, take a look for the survey tab in the menu. We would love to get you know you, our listeners, and what you enjoy about the show. Your input can influence the content we gather over the next year. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet it at Terra Informa. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks this week to our contributors, Andrea Weeb, Amanda Rooney, Hannah Cunningham, and Shelley Jodoin. I've been your host, Carter Grzitza. And I'm Lucas Burroughs. Catch you next week. We got signal. <laughs>